welcome to another edition of I Was There. This is the program that gets you up close and personal with people who were actual eyewitnesses to history. I'm Ron Roberson. And I'm Jeff Trujillo. And we're two peas in a podcast. Imagine that. That's right. And we've kind of adopted that slogan and uh, so far so good. Yeah, well, yeah. I'd be the black eye pea. What pea you be? Yeah, every episode I got to choose a different pea. So uh, I'm sweet pea. How's that? <laughs> oh, we'll get letters. We'll get letters. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, man, things have been going good. Um, got a lot of feedback on our last broadcast. And uh, matter of fact, we got quite a few hits on our last broadcast, didn't we? We did. We did. That last one was Big Tom. Actually, the last two. We did one on you and we did one on Big Tom Minahan. And uh, yeah, people are enjoying the history that we're touching upon. And uh, and that's why I'm really excited about today's show, because we talk about yes. some history. We're going to be diving into yes. a whole lot of history today. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Now, for those that want to get a hold of us and 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 all that other good stuff, how can we do that? Well, you can find us on Facebook. You can search the I Was There podcast, or you can email us at the I Was There podcast at gmail.com. And for those regular listeners of the show, I would encourage you to subscribe because if you subscribe every time we put a show up, then it will notify you. And then you can automatically be noticed right away as soon as it hits the air. So I would encourage all of our loyal listeners to do that. All right. Well, let's not beat around the bush. Uh, let's get down to business here. We've got a very special guy with us. I'm, I've been trying to get him for quite a while. He's he's so popular, man. He's hard to catch up with, and he's always in demand. You see him all around. This man owns Orange County. He just doesn't I, want to tell everybody. You see him all around Orange County. Uh, you see him at all the different events and those type <laughs> of things. And uh, you're really in for a treat tonight. I tell you, I looked up Bobby McDonald, who's our guest tonight, and I looked up his resume. And if I even start to dive into that resume, this show is going to be over by the time I get to the end of it. Because uh, talk about some credentials, man. I mean, uh, yeah. we'll let him kind of uh, t touch upon maybe the three or four things that he thinks is most important. But literally, it's a couple pages of uh, honors and uh and, and I'm really honored to have him on the show. <laughs> he's all, old enough four right now. So <laughs> <laughs> all of that. And he's good looking too. He's one of our better looking guests. And wouldn't you think? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, you know, we've had some good looking ones, but uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely uh, hitting the bar there. Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's keeping up the good looking uh, uh, tradition that we have on this show. <laughs> yes. But anyway, uh, why don't we just go ahead and let Bobby tell us just a little brief something about himself before we dive into what we want to talk about today. And uh, just how, you know, I know, I know he's uh, president of the black Orange County black chamber of commerce among other things, but Bobby, if you would just go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, before I get started, let me say thank you for this opportunity. I mean, not uh, only do I, do I get an opportunity to just go for it, okay, because I was there, and I, well, I've been there, too. It's an honor and a privilege to be here, and I, I really, really uh, appreciate, the, you know, Ron trying to chase me down to get me to, to be involved, and I, I made the commitment to be here today, and, I, and I'm glad. Let, let me go back a little bit. I'm, a, I'm an L.A. native. I uh, joined the United States Navy in uh, 1965, September 20th, 1965, to be uh, close to it. And I came from uh, a long line of uh, military people. My dad and my four uncles were Buffalo soldiers during World War II. And I had an aunt that um, aunt Virginia was one of the first black nurses in the United States Army <laughs> uh, as an officer. Okay, thanks to Mary McLeod Bethune and Eleanor Roosevelt. And because I had all those ground pounders in my life, I decided I did not want to be a ground pounder. So uh, I was attending L.A. Harbor College right after graduation from uh, Washington High School in L.A. 
And um, um, I went to L.A. Harbor College for a year and majored in dominoes and bid whist up in Seahawk Center, <laughs> which uh, which really didn't. Uh, <laughs> the only people that wanted my grades. I, actually, I didn't flunk out, but I didn't do well. All right. <laughs> Which is good news. So the only people who would take my credits and add it for me to grow up a little bit more was the United States Navy, because I, like I said, I didn't want to be a ground pounder. But a little bit of history. The day that I uh, joined the Navy, I used to work on a, on a Jack in the Box on Manchester and Hoover and, and in Los Angeles. Uh, and and uh, I went into the Naval Recruiting Station and the recruiter asked me, he says, you know, we're looking for Marines. Uh, how would you like to be a Marine? And I said, I don't want to be a ground pounder. So I went in and took the test. I came out and the Marine Corps recruiter was on the phone and he hung it up and he started laughing. And I said, what's so funny? And he says, uh, you know how I wanted you to be a Marine? And I said, yes, sir. He says, uh, down there on Central and, uh, uh, and Century, there was a Marine Corps station that was a little trailer. You know? and, and he said, they just turned it over and burnt it. That was the day the watch ride started, August 11th, 1965. Wow. So anyway, so here comes September. I wind up going to the, uh, down to San Diego did my did my little boot camp came out and and uh, I was real real happy and and, and as I uh, when I got home uh, I got my orders and they said I was going to China Lake and I'm going oh man I'm going overseas you know how little did I know that I was going to Ridgecrest China Lake the middle of the desert in California <laughs> all the training station it was a naval ordnance test station I mean this, this was secret stuff I mean they had fences out there with roads and the road would stop and there was a fence okay but you could see tire marks going the other way. So you knew that. So anyway, so I joined the Navy to see the world. And I thought it was bigger than California. <laughs> so I'm in the middle of the desert. And so for about uh, a couple of weeks, I hung around there. The next thing you know, I'm on a plane from uh, from uh, China Lake to some real cozy, small, fancy island. It was called San Clemente Island. So <laughs> Orange County. Okay, I'm between Orange County and San Diego, San Clemente Island. And San Clemente Island housed uh, 500, uh, I used to say it was uh, uh, rocks, goats, and naval personnel that was stationed there. And my job at the, that, was, which was a pretty doggone good job, but I learned because now I was in the crash crew. I was learning to be uh, a, a firefighter for aircrafts. I mean, so I learned all the new jets, the F-4s, the A-4s, the A-3s, the A all, all those different makes and models I had to learn. And we'd be out there testing, and then we brought part of the, the new fire trucks that they had that carried foam. That stuff smelled. Oh, oh, I bet. <laughs> oh, yeah, it smelled. But it did the job, okay, because it put the fire out. So my job, uh, my my first six, eight months there was to put out um, fires uh, on aircraft and just play that uh, in, the, in, in front of the – or doing your watch in front of the control tower, just watch the planes come in, touch and go – the Marines and the Navy aircraft would come in and they would do what was called carrier quals, carrier qualifications. They'd come in and do a touch and go. They'd come in, touch in a certain place, boom, gear up and take off again. It was our job at the out at the fire station, plus also at underneath the tower, was to uh, be there just in case something happened and an alarm would go off, but they call it a bingo. And then you, you, you scramble, you know, automatically. Uh, my job the uh, second time around, when second eight months, I wound up not only being part of the crash crew, but my job was to be uh, take the ejection seat pins and put them in the ejection seats while the guys are putting the fire out. If, if something happened, my job was to go straight to the pilot. Don't worry about the fire. Get to the pilot, put the pins in, because he, if the pilot pulls the pin, okay. So I learned how to do that. I referenced this because on my when I finally got to Vietnam, 
uh, I got aboard the, the USS Tripoli, which was the first aircraft carrier built strictly for helicopters and 5,000 Marines and five squadrons helicopter and 500 sailors. So, but we were really part of the forward uh, forward base uh, with the battalion landing teams and the special landing team forces because we were from Da Nang to DMZ and we're two miles offshore. We weren't like to New Jersey, 40,000 miles away, lobbing those big shells. We were right. right there. In fact, actually they fired at us sometimes when we were up near the DMZ. Wow. But my job then was still to be a fireman, but I was on the crew to, to launch and land helicopters. Now, my first day on the ship, not even 24 hours later, got to wake up in the morning, the ship is steaming and, and everybody's scrambling. We go to general quarters and we're all steaming. We're heading to the USS Forrestal. Forrestal had caught fire. The, yeah. The, 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 the ship that McCain was on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But the, yeah. with, the, with the, the rocket, there was a little wiring tap or something was going on. Boom. So we had to go rescue the Forrestal. Wow. And That's we just and right there. The dang at the time. Okay. We had half the crew was in the dang for a beer party. Hot beer, right? And, <laughs> and we're on the, on the way to trip. We got part half, three quarters of the way there. Then they made us turn around and come back because other ships were there. Well, we came back because we had to get our guy. So anyway, that that that, that got interesting. Uh, we did. Uh, there's a couple other things there, but bottom line, I'll, I'll fast forward. Um, we had. A, I came back, and then they needed me to go back one more time. So we went back the second time, and um, it, it, that that was interesting too. The second time we pulled into um, Japan because we had something was wrong with the some of the helicopters. We had to take them to Okinawa to get them fixed. So we put them all on our ship. Take them to Okinawa, stopped in Japan and was coming back home. But anyway, bottom line is uh, there was this little small dinky ship on the other side. So we got to dock, one ship on one side and the other ship, the big carrier was on one side. And there's this little dinky ship that was, if you can imagine a, uh, a minesweeper with antennas, that's the best way I can I describe it. So we had dropped the helicopters off. We're in Japan. We're heading back home because we came back. Got back home in January, <laughs> oh, and I read the paper. That was the USS Pueblo. It got captured, and I went aboard oh, it before. Wow. It captured. wow, wow! Talk about some history, man. That's yeah. that's. Uh, so anyway, so I got a chance to get off the ship and uh, come back home, and I got back. I went back to school. Went back to LA Harbor because I uh, while I was on the ship, I, I enjoyed my term time, but I, I was losing my my vocabulary. I mean, I, I loved English. I like poetry. I, I, I really enjoyed uh, those classes at, at Washington High School, you know, public speaking, those kinds of things. Uh, anything that uh, I could use, because truth be told, someone told me a long time ago that I was going to be a salesman. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Who Who Imagine that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what we want to dive into with you was the history of the Buffalo Soldiers and then Ron brought to my attention that you've been doing this work with uh, making, bringing more awareness to the iron riders, which I had never heard of until I did some reading on it. And uh, I mean, talking about amazing history there as well. And, and that you're continuing to, to uh, keep that tradition alive as well with these events that you've been doing and the iron ride and everything that, that happened. Let uh, me, let, let, let me jump in here for a second. Sure. Soldiers, 1866, mm-hmm. July 6th, 1866. So we're, Vastly coming across close uh, what, 157th anniversary of that. Sheridan and 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 the rest of those guys back there in Sherman uh, got together with uh, uh, was it U.S. Grant and they got and so the Army, the official United States Army, was born that day, and they had the Army, the Union stuff. But officially after the Civil War, okay, they did that, and they had four infantry troops, two cavalry units were formed out of this brand new piece they get together. 
because Sheridan and Sherman knew the value of the black soldiers. They were called United States Colored Troops, but now they're the United States Army. They put uh, the 9th and the 10th in Fort Leavenworth and Greenville, Louisiana, which was New Orleans. And then they had the 4th Infantry, where they put them all kind of all over the place. But uh, then two years later, three years later, they combined the 24th, those four other infantry units into the 38th, 39th, 40th, and 41st, into the 24th and 25th. Okay, And then stuck them in Jefferson City, um, Missouri, okay, and uh, Jefferson Barracks and Jackson Barracks, okay, and, and St. Louis and in Louisiana again. I say that uh, because, uh, again, cavalry, you got horses, mm-hmm. infantry, you're walking. Okay, so they're in Texas and in Louisiana, all these, and they're walking. And then United States, one of these guys out west. Okay, they wanted them out west for the simple reason they they could help build the build the towns, they could paint the towns, and I don't mean red. <laughs> they, they, they irrigation ditches. They made sure that they were the marshals. Uh, they chased the bad men. They did all those kinds of different things that no one wanted to do across. And then after all that good effort and work, they had to sleep down river. Okay, I mean, because they weren't allowed to sleep where you built. I mean, they built all these towns. They really did all those forts. Let me back back up, because remember I told you about the value of education and my grandfather and me and my, and, and my dad and the rest of the value of education. Mm-hmm. In 1866, all uh, there was land grant monies. And that's when the churches and them started all those black colleges. Okay, all the black colleges started in 1866. And the churches, a lot of the churches got together because they were trying to get people to be educated and those kinds of things. And the 62nd and 65th Colored Infantry in 1866 pulled their resources and came up with $5,000, $13 a month, $156 a year. And they incorporated Lincoln University in Jefferson City, Missouri. Mm-hmm. To this day, they understood the value of education. And to put the top icing on the cake, if you were caught gambling or doing something crazy, something like that, whatever, okay, and you didn't know your ABCs, you went to the brig till you learned your ABCs. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. Let's go forward now. Because of my dad and because of uh, Ron Jones's dad, Fred Jones, who got me involved in it, I, I met these guys at the Bowers Museum way back in the, the early 90s. And um, I started doing the banquet in 93, 94. So I brought the Buffalo soldiers in to do the color guard to recognize them. Tuskegee Airmen, the Muffet Port Marines. I brought all these guys in because they all lived in L.A. So um, we used to have them part of the program. And then 2000, I was asked to go back to Atlanta and make a presentation to the Buffalo Soldier Organization because I had joined it now. They made me an honorary Buffalo Soldier. And I said, well, you know, I, I want to just go ahead and pay to be a life member. And I ain't got to worry about it anymore. Okay, so I did that. Then uh, they asked me, why don't you bring the reunion out to California? I said, sure. So I became the chairman of the group, but I had to go make a presentation in Atlanta to let them know what we were going to do. <laughs> And, and and so we did that. And in 2002, we had the 9th and 10th Horse Cavalry Association Buffalo Soldier Reunion in Anaheim. Oh, and was that fun? I mean, I I, I had it at the what was the old Pink Hotel, the Hyatt uh, Regency, uh, right there on uh, Harbor and Chapman. Yep. Okay. Yep. So that's where we had it. And 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 well, I tell you, that was that was fun. We had over 200 people come in, and this was a little different. Because we had at least 10 guys over 90. Wow. Yeah. Going back, just so the audience understands. So as you mentioned, the Buffalo Soldiers' main duty was to support the nation's expansion westward, right? And then that was after the Civil War. 
But then when we talk about Buffalo Soldiers, you're talking about Buffalo Buffalo Soldiers at that time that served in World War One because the regiments continued, right? So there was World War One, World War Two, from what I read, and then Korea. But through the decades, from what I read, I mean, they served during the Indian Wars, the Philippine-American War, the Spanish-American War. I mean, they fought in all these wars. And so by the time you got to that reunion, you you were dealing with probably what the World War One, World War Two, Korea guys? Korean, more Korean. Uh, okay. Korean and um, yeah, because because uh, my dad was in Korea. Gotcha. My dad in World War Two, and, and went to, was in Korea in forty five, and, and then he's over at to picked up the twenty fourth Infantry in Japan and went over to the twenty fourth Infantry over to Korea. I'm going to jump to your your thing here in a second, but there sure. was, a, was there was a significant moment in the reunion. We we sent a group of guys down to uh, on a bus trip to Camp Lockett down in San Diego, and uh, they came back in, and I was pretty proud of it. Uh, I I went home uh, a couple weeks later, and I went home to Daddy, and I said, Dad, Dad, guess what? We had a prisoner of war camp in San Diego, and his face dropped. Right now, I'm about fifty some odd years old now, and his face dropped. Okay, and when the, there's and and Ron will tell you this, at least in, in, in black families. Facial features can tell you the temperature of what's oh, yeah. going to happen. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not body language. The face will tell you what's going to happen with the body. Right? And so, I, I mean, I kind of gave him a cross and say, hey, Dad, that, hold, hold, hold on. What did I do wrong? He said, I mean, and, I mean, he was boiling. We had a prisoner of war camp at Camp Playboy in Louisiana. I never heard that. Never heard that. Wow. I mean, he's, he's hot. You know, because when his face went, I mean, I was a whooping or going to bed with no, yeah. no dinner or, or, or a combination thereof. <laughs> I don't know I'm too old for this. Well, we had a prisoner war camp, and the German prisoners could go off the base anytime they wanted to, but the black soldiers couldn't. I mean, now I know about all those little beatings I got and all those general principle stuff because all that stuff. I mean, can you imagine? I'm 50 some odd years old. I'm just now hearing these stories. Right, right, right. Scary. Right. So now, I mean, this puts a different perspective on it. Yeah. And, and I, oh, whew, okay. Um, now I'm really understanding what happens. So that gets me deeper into why I want to do this deeper into hearing what these guys have done and the reason why they're called buffalo soldiers because the indians native americans revered the buffalo and their hair and the and it's up there all the, and they knew that when a buffalo we put him in a corner it's coming get you he's, he's come out and that's what they did with the black soldiers the lowest desertion rate came from the black soldiers i mean they they there's nowhere to go but you're getting 13 dollars a month 156 dollars a year and you're taking care of family that really started generational wealth. It really did. Yeah. Because it's, it's so it, it, let me fast forward to another story. So um, my buddy, Ron Jones, he got a phone call and, and he said from uh buddy, if somebody called him and because he's a bike rider, he's a big bike enthusiast. Okay. I mean, knucklehead. In fact, technically on his 66th birthday, he started in St. Louis and came all the way across country. Uh, in his car and his bike that did Route 66, okay? Okay, Which, in his Buffalo Soldier stuff, okay? He was doing this. That's how we get. So somebody up in Wallace, Idaho gave him a call. The Chamber of Commerce gave him a call. And then he gave me a call and said, hey, Bobby, uh, these guys up there, they, the Buffalo Soldiers were there. In Idaho? Well, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> really? So we decided to go up there. We took a trip uh, just to go up there. Well, we're... We went up because they were opening up the Hiawatha trails. In that whole area where the trains were, they now open up for bike trails. 
they made bike trails out of all of us. So, so we went up to do the Hiawatha. So we, we got, we, we started talking about doing bicycle stuff. So we got involved in getting the uniforms and the bicycles and we wound up getting some uh, uh, replica bikes made and all that kind of stuff from what we saw from the Iron Rider from the pictures. So we get up there and oh man, the history. There was a big burn up there, the big fire. I was 1910. They had a big fire up there. And the Buffalo soldiers from Fort Missoula in Montana came all the way up there on trains to help put the fires out. Saved those towns, Mulan, Avery, uh, Kellogg, and Wallace. Saved them all. Wow. Now, a little bit before then, remember I told you they were marshals and stuff? Teddy Roosevelt sent the 25th Infantry up there to be martial law because they shot the, because the mining strikes were going on and they killed the governor. So the Buffalo soldiers were a part of their lives there. No, I never yeah. knew that. I read that they were part of establishing the national parks. They, they actually were. Well, that, um, but that's in California. In that's California. In, right. Right. That's in I, California. And, and, yeah. and there's, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many little dots here I can connect for you. That's going to be crazy. So anyway, there were three black graduates of the military academy, actually four Henry Osi and Flipper, who I represented when I first got in, in, involved with the Buffalo Soldiers because he was the first black graduate of the military academy. Mm-hmm. Second was um, Alexander and then Colonel Charles Young. Colonel Charles Young, or C- Captain Young, was stationed at the Presidio. And so he's the one that took the 24th Infantry, the 9th Cavalry, and stuff. And when I said, when you go up to uh, Visalia mm-hmm. and you turn right, you're coming up from south to north, you turn right. That road at the end of Visalia, there's a road called, uh, it's at Three Rivers. Mm-hmm. That road there all the way up into Kings Canyon and stuff was all built by the Buffalo Soldiers. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, all, all built by the Buffalo Soldiers. They then made those guys. Colonel Young now became the first California superintendent of parks and the first national parks guy. Wow. So the Army had him. And that was all out of the Presidio. Hold that thought, okay? Because I need you to ask me a little later on. Who gave up the command for that, that day, for the change of command for Colonel uh, Young? Okay, hold that thought. Anyway, and there's a lot of other things that the Buffalo soldiers did in California. But anyway, be that as it may. Uh, so we're coming back from Wallace. We again stopped back by into Missoula. And I'm taking notes, and I'm looking at the little display they have in there. And I get back, and I'm one of those kinds of guys that if it's got a five or a zero in it, I'm going to go after it. <laughs> As long as I got a couple of years to do it, five or zero. So guess what? Uh, this was the 125th anniversary of the 25th Infantry being part of the greatest United States Army cycling experiment of 1897. 97, 24. Oh, 23. Oh, wow. That's 22. You know, hey, that's what? 125. I love it. So I've been working on this project since November uh, 2019. This is the Iron Riders project you're talking oh, yeah. about. Oh, yeah. We're talking about the Iron Riders now. Okay. okay. And by the way, you should know that on his first command, Pershing was at top at Fort Assiniboine in northern Montana. Okay. And Lieutenant Moss, who was last in his class at the military academy. So they sent, shipped him out west. But he got here and he had he was a bike enthusiast back in New York. And he, the bicycles were a big thing. He talked his commander into letting him uh, get a ride. And so he went to back, back east and he talked to the Spalding people. And the Spalding people gave him some bikes on loan. They didn't buy them on loan. So they did, uh, they found eight guys there at the 25th Infantry. And uh, he got them to uh, ride and go to McDonald Peak. And, and they went to Yosemite. They patrolled Yellowstone for a while on the bicycles. They came back. And on June 14th, on the uh, Army birthday, 1897, 
they took off on this 41 day, 1900 miles, covering five states, which was Montana, Wyoming, South Dakota, mm. Alaska, and then Missouri. And they, uh, they were trying to average 50 miles a day. And they ran, they used the railroad tracks as much, best they can. Now, keep in mind when you're talking about railroad tracks, and not like we talked today, where you had the, the, the gravel, they're all even. There was holes in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they went through, were going through, they had this, they call it gumbo mud because there was so much other stuff and gunk in there. They used to have to ride on the side. <laughs> it snowed. I mean, you're going across the Rockies. Wow. Um, and they were heading to yeah. St. Louis? Yeah, heading, heading to St. Louis. Yeah. One of the kids, um, the son of the newspaper um, guy, got a chance to ride along with him. He rode his own bike and he wrote stories every day. So we have we have that captured that. And, and um, we had a gentleman that went the full 41 days and 1900 miles. I mean, I set it up, got him, uh, found the, you know, Eric, uh, Eric Cedeno. Uh, a bicycle nomad. He had already done the Underground Railroad twice from New Orleans all the way up to uh, Niagara and a few oh. other places. So yeah, I got him involved and we went up. Um, and in fact, uh, you'll be able to see, hopefully, Black History Month, February this year, you'll get to see the documentary that we're working on right now. Oh, Talking nice. Not so much about the ride, but about the celebration of all the things that happened into different places that the ride brought. Yeah. I mean, 100, 125 years ago. And I mean, the town came in and got involved. We helped with Juneteenth. Uh, we helped with, uh, we had a theater. Um, uh, I mean, we, we had a little film festival. We had uh, the, the VFW, all that. Now, let me let me back up a second. The 25th Infantry did all that. When they got to St. Louis, uh, it was over. Everybody, it was a big thing. It was all in the newspapers and stuff. And Lieutenant Moss gave the bikes back to Spalding. They came back by train and he had talked uh, the commander and maybe doing another ride from Missoula to Presidio. And just so happens, Spanish-American War started. So the first time in the history of the United States, all four of the units, the 9th, the 10th, 24th and 25th Infantry, shipped down to Tampa and went into the uh, to, to Cuba. The first group called up was the 25th Infantry. And I got pictures of the 25th Infantry marching down Higgins Street to the train station, getting ready to go down today. So they're down there. And what's really been cool is taking pieces of history, then added more pieces to history, then added more pieces to history. We were talking about the VFW. The VFW started in the Spanish-American War. Ah, that's the tie-in then. <laughs> yeah, that's the tie-in. Okay, it's the tie-in. Now. Things happen in World War, and, and and that's guess what? Now you've got Pershing and Moss with the black troops together in Cuba. And later on, they were with the black units because Wilson didn't send the black units. The Wilson kept the black units here because he was scared that the Germans and the Italians, whatever, whatever were, they were going to come up through Mexico, mm -hmm. the United States. So that's why they kept the black troops down there, Fort Huachuca, and, and on the bases and stuff in Louisiana and all those areas down there. They ended up guarding the border, right? The the, the oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Well, San Diego, right? Yeah. yeah. World War One, but they did send some that sent the National Guard over. You know, you you hear about Harlem Hellfighters, and but guess who was in charge of it? Pershing and Lieutenant Moss. Hmm. Lieutenant Moss came out with the name the Buffalo Unit. That's why they were called that. Okay, they come back and uh, they they all over place. And I ask you to keep something in your mind. Okay, Lieutenant Moss had the 9th Cavalry and the 24th Infantry here at Presidio. Mm. 
when Colonel Young came in, Moss changed the command and gave it to Captain Young. Okay, that's it. Oh, that was the, yeah, so I mean, I'm watching all these little pieces. Okay, the 14th is the Army birthday. It's also Flag Day. Yeah. Well, guess who did all the writing and did all the information and stuff and all the history books and stuff and wrote it all down on how to use the flag and stuff? Lieutenant Moss. Hmm. Uh, it gets really squirrely here because uh, it was way before my mom, but Lieutenant Moss was born, born in Lafayette, Louisiana. So my mother was. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're in the middle uh, of doing the um, the end of this 125th anniversary ride, which we will do and highlight it on the 28th of um, July at the Buffalo Soldier National Museum in Houston. Uh, oh, th this uh, is the documentary that you're talking about. So the ride was... Documentary. documentary is coming after that. But oh, the okay. fifth anniversary ends, the, the, the celebration should end on the 14th. Gotcha. Uh, that'd be, but we're going to do it at the Buffalo Soldier. Reunion is going to be at Houston uh, mm -hmm. this year. So I have set up, thanks to the Black Chamber Education Fund and the Greater Los Angeles Area Chapter. Oh, did I tell you I'm the president of the association here, chapter here? I didn't tell you that? Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> we have taken upon ourselves to revamp a part of the museum and now we have a whole section that will be updated with just the iron rider stuff oh i didn't mention the rose parade did i okay so we're in the rose parade this year. It was the first bicycle unit ever to be in the tournament of roses parade in the history wow so it's another first for the buffalo soldiers so a bandana and some of the stuff i had is going to go in the museum with this in there with the picture and all this kind of stuff that we did yeah other than that man ain't nothing happening <laughs> and the last and final thing if i may because i'm probably almost up to my limit here <laughs> and you guys need to go get a coffee break or something <laughs> but this is you know what i'm talking about zeros and fives uh -huh. this is the 75th anniversary of president truman signing executive order 9981 to desegregate the services in 1948 wow Wow. I see it. So, that, so we've got that going on too. But 9981. Now, here comes the fun, really, really, because I got too much time on my hands. <laughs> Another historical piece. If you take 9981 and flip it, it becomes 1866. Oh, when, it, when they started. <laughs> you know, I can't pull nothing, Jeff. Can't pull nothing over on you, Jeff. <laughs> I mean, you can't make that up. Yeah. So, Bobby, I, I read that Truman signed that in 19. 48 and then That's the correct. last the last unit i heard was decommissioned in 1951 so that would be in the middle of korea so there was a buffalo yeah. soldier unit in korea right and that was the last oh, the yeah. last one right well, i mean they, well it, it's like anything else it takes time for people to finally get used to you know? yeah you're supposed to do right but although i have to admit the marines probably started out faster marines desegregated real fast uh, one of those generals went after guadalcanal and, and, and Saipan, you know, the generals said, you know, everybody is 100 percent. OK, we're, 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 we're four by four. I mean, we're not playing this game anymore. Boom. He yeah. got it. stop and think what Truman did. You know, you're coming off president is getting ready, you know, getting ready to get Eisenhower. You're coming out of a war. You know, I mean, it's that's heavy duty stuff. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and he made that commitment. Um, the country still wasn't ready for it yet. Now, I do know there were still some units. Uh, the 24th Infantry, some of those black guys got together and they they, they put them in the um, with the U.S. Rangers when they kicked butt. I mean, they, I, I got stories about they kicked butt. Okay. Uh, and, and again, my dad was part of the 24th, right? And again, it's just, I, I'm happy 
that I've surrounded myself with maybe two or three people that, that are historians. I'm not bad myself, but I double check and triple check everything. I, I can make a mistake every now and then. Right. Uh, so Bobby, yeah. with the writers and with, um, is there still Buffalo Soldier organizations that, that oh, recognize yes. that? So what's going on and how do people get involved if they want to continue the the legacy of the Buffalo Soldiers and the memory well, of uh, them and the writers and everything? I would think that uh, the Buffalo Soldier National Museum out of Houston, mm -hmm. uh, because one of the guys, uh, and I say that because one of the guys, I mean, we have organizations throughout the country. Go to the 9th and 10th Horse Cavalry Association uh, website. You can see where all the chapters are across the country. Uh, but uh, but sometimes people are looking for people and they can't find anything, so they're called a museum. Here in California, I read that they actually also built the, constructed the first um, trail all the way up to Mount Whitney. So uh, when they were working I, I, with, I, uh, I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't verified that. I do know that uh, in, in Kings Canyon, okay, in yeah, and Sequoias, I do know that. Uh, I do know that um, when Colonel Young, when he was time for him to move on, okay, change of command, um, his troops wanted to name Wendell Sequoias after, and he said no. His hero was Booker T. Washington, so they named that tree after Booker T. Washington, but. When they decided to name three after Colonel Young, I was there. Oh, so nice! Birthday cake and all. So I was there. So, uh, in fact, Sheldon Johnson is still wears the uniform as a ranger up there. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just it's meeting all these people that are carrying on the tradition as we preserve, promote, and perpetuate the history of the Buffalo Soldiers. That's awesome. And and it's so important to, to maintain that history and to let others know, you know, I, I didn't know a lot. I mean, of course, my my knowledge of the Buffalo Soldier is from the Bob Marley song, right? I mean, everybody knows that song, but, and I did in reading about this, that song is about the Buffalo Soldiers that he wrote it in, in tribute to them. And, and so, you know, in reading it, it, it's such an amazing history. And then the Iron Riders on top of it, just the fact that they rode from well, I, I mean, Montana <laughs> to St. Louis and, and they were the first to do it. And Incredible. You know what it's like to have the Smithsonian call you and interview you about the Iron Riders? Do you have an idea what it's like to have Apple News call and interview or have these, these different places all over the place, countries come in and, and, and interview you? Do you know what it's like to be interviewed by I was there? I mean, this was, <laughs> I mean, you know, to have the, the, the to have the, Smithsonian and Apple News uh, guys call you and say, you know, you guys were uh, your story was uh, one of the top five stories for three days in a row. Um, the, the radio stations, the TV stations, American Legion came out and filmed the ride. Okay, at five forty in the morning in Missoula, Montana, there was over forty people, and five of the five or six of us Iron Riders in uniform. The rest were just regular people in the neighborhood, the community. And we rode from Fort Missoula, Montana, all the way downtown, five and a half miles. But the path is there. It's, it's labeled. And, and I'm just sitting there, wow, I'm part of this. And we left at 540 in the morning. And the Army uh, at that time had a, a bugle call to the, uh, the the horses. And they changed a little bit and had called to the bikes. And I had a member of the Missoula City Band, a.k.a. 25th Infantry Tribute Band, played for us as we left at 540. Mm. I mean, the whole community came out. That's what that's that's the purpose of the, the pretty much to the doc, getting the people that the recite. How did it affect them? How did you do? I mean, 
from from Juneteenth, it was Colonel Granger's coming up. Colonel Granger and the Buffalo soldiers, but the, the soldiers came into Corpus Christi. They got up to Houston, and the horsemen came up. The cavalry guys came up and handed him General Order Number Three, and he read it in front of the town. Okay, that's how Juneteenth came up. Yeah. So we're there we didn't have the horses. So you know what I did? I had the Major Taylor Bike Group. It's a big group that rides bike. Major Taylor was a big bicycle riders back in the old days. It was black. I had the president and the vice president ride up on a bicycle and hand me General Order Number Three, and I freed all the slaves up in Missoula, Montana. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Ron, what do you think? That's amazing history, huh? Wow, man. I God, wow, I got more than what we bargained for, man. This man is amazing. <laughs> I, 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 and and I, guess what? I, I got quite yeah. an edumacation today. He <laughs> just got that much. There's so much. Yeah. It's wow. Much. I mean, absolutely amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm president of the organization because there's four or five guys out here that really, really like what we do. I mean, we're out there doing something. I mean, uh, Ron and William, when they were driving up to, to, to Missoula, they stopped in Salt Lake City. Well, at Fort Douglas and stuff, Buffalo soldiers were there. I mean, Idaho. Montana, <laughs> really? <laughs> All that history is right there. Salt Lake City. Yeah. All right. They're looking at maybe going to Salt Lake City and, and maybe do a weekend thing there and, and and talk to those people. Yeah. I mean, there's so much out here that nobody knows about. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I fell into this. Uh, my partner Ron Jones and my Buffalo Soldier buddy, uh, he told me the other day. He says, you know, Bobby, we talked about the Iron Rising stuff, and he said you took it to a whole other level. <laughs> Oh, and one other thing is, it's just, it's all the way back to the White House. Okay. This is huge. Wow. Did I do my time wisely? I'm okay. You, you, you did. Oh, thank, thank you, Bobby. That that was incredible. Absolutely. So Bobby, if, if people want to get a hold of you and find out more, how do they do that? You know what? Go to the Black Chamber website. Okay. Go to the uh, Buffalo Soldier website. Uh, go to um, the Bobby McDonald uh, uh, Facebook page, Buffalo Soldier West Facebook page. Uh, we still have the Iron Riders uh, Facebook page up and we're still putting stuff on there. So I know that uh, they'll be able to hear a little bit more because we're, the, we, we're, we're like I said, this documentary has already been spoken for and uh, I have my connection with PBS. So mm, yeah, but, uh, I'm not Ken Burns, but I'm Bobby Mack. <laughs> is the, is the documentary going to be on PBS when it comes out? I can't, I can't say right now. Okay. 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 Well, I look. I look forward to seeing it. I'm going to try to track it down wherever it wherever it's. Well, been. let's put it this way. I'm a blessed individual. Yes, you are. Yes, you are, sir. And we really appreciate you taking the time out and coming to see us. Uh, this was required reading, doggone it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and wow, man, we Jeff is going to have a fun time editing this because I'm just trying to figure out where he's going to make any kind of cuts. We may have to do an extended program or even a part two. But well, uh, the, the, so much. the good news is he doesn't have to bleep anything. That's yes, yes. <laughs> you kept it clean. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then uh, for, also, also, Bobby, for being with us, uh, I'm going to get to you our complimentary I Was There coffee mug. Uh, there you go. And uh, <laughs> you can tell your friends. I, I know the one you were just drinking out of. Thank you. I was there. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> and we've got more. But uh, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate you. And We'll put your information up on our website and that type of thing. And uh, Jeff will take care of all of that. Right, Jeff? Yeah. Uh, you, absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to try to get as many people to learn about the Buffalo Soldiers and the Iron Riders. And Send me the information. I'll sign up. I'll. Uh... Okay. Well, Ron, 
you you wanted to take us on out of here? Uh, yeah. Once again, Bobby, thank you so much, buddy. And um, I I know we're going to do something a little later on down the road. So uh, especially with we I, I was I'm listening to all kind of different scenarios here. So uh, we'll be back in contact. But thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Well, um, thank you. Appreciate y'all. And um, we got a couple other why I was there's coming up in my mind that we may have to to do. People don't know about. It, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> you so bet. You're God bless right. you both. Thank you very kindly. Thanks for taking time and let me uh, play with y'all. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank All you. Right, folks, that just about does it for this program. We're going to sign on out. And uh, once again, Jeff, they can get us by doing what exactly? You can find us on Facebook, the I Was There podcast, or you can uh, give us an email at uh, the I Was There podcast at gmail.com. So uh, please reach out and uh, let us know that you're listening and uh, we'll be in touch. I was there. My name is Ron and you are. I'm Jeff Trujillo. And we'll see you next time. Take care. All right. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.